reading verses 1 through 4. Again, the word of the Lord. If then, and a proper and good translation of that word, if, since then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our Father, we pray, O Lord, that through your word and by your Spirit's ability, impress our minds and our hearts with the things that are most dear to you. Because we are your dear ones in the gospel of Jesus, your son, because he is your beloved son and we are in him. Oh Lord, be kind this morning and be generous. Pour out for us your love, your presence, all that you are in the power of your word. And we give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the silver chair by C.S. Lewis, Puddleglum and the children, Eustace and Paul, along with the Prince of Narnia, were taken captive by an evil witch in the underworld. When the witch returned from a journey and found that they were all about to escape, she was extremely angry. She didn't attack them physically, but what she did very cunningly was she sought to lull them into forgetting who they are. She threw magic powder into a fire that caused the air to be filled with this heavy, sweet perfume. And then, along with that, she strummed her mandolin in this slow, melodic, throbbing way, which together produced a dullness of their senses and threatened to send them into a sleepy state of forgetting who they are, who they were as Narnians. Well, her plan seemed to be working really well until, that is, Puddleglum gathered up his strength suddenly with alarm and bravely, with his bare feet, stomped out the enchanted fire. The heavy, sweet scent that had prevailed was quickly overpowered by the horrible smell of burning flesh, and this brought them all 
at once, back to their senses and back to reality. It was then that they clearly remembered who they were as true Narnians. This, I think, is a good picture of what was happening in the Church of Colossae to the dear believers there. Because of the cunning allurements of the evil one, they were forgetting who they were in Jesus Christ. And as a result, they were vulnerable to their enemy and to his wiles. And so, in the pages of this letter, the Apostle Paul, the inspired apostle, was in a sense stomping out the, those fires with the gospel by powerfully reawakening them to the truth of who they really were in Jesus Christ and all that meant to them and for them as beloved of God. This morning, our focus will be upon chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. In these four verses, we will find Paul transitioning from the theology of the first two chapters to teach us how to live out our lives as Christians. More specifically, he will show us how to live out our lives in light of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ because our union with the Lord Jesus Christ clearly and very powerfully shows us who we are as new believers in him. In order to live for Christ, we have to know who we are. In order to be strong for Christ, we have to know who we are in Jesus Christ. So beginning with verses 1 through 4 this morning, Paul tells us who we are first in terms of our new life in Jesus Christ. We don't have a clear idea of our new life in Jesus Christ. How can we even begin to live out our Christian lives? And very powerfully, our new life is described in terms of our union with Christ in his redemptive work. Listen to this language. Verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Verse 3, you have died with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And as a result, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you shall appear with him in glory. These prepositions in connection with Christ, connecting us with the Lord Jesus Christ, define who we are as believers. This is who we are. The next time somebody asks you, who are you? Don't give them your name. Just say, oh, I'm just someone who was raised with Christ, died with Christ, 
been hidden with Christ, and by the way, I will appear with Christ when he appears. The moment that a sinner manifests saving faith, just at that moment, God places him or her in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something absolutely glorious. In a million years, you could never make this stuff up. If God's word was not so clear on this, you would call me a fool. But it is absolutely clear, and it is absolutely most thorough in its teaching about the believer's union with Christ and fellowship with Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, to believe in him, means that your life is now tucked away in Jesus Christ, and this reality powerfully defines who you are. As most of you know, I preached for 16 years at a country church nearby. They became family, Oak Grove Church of God. Although they did not hold to the biblical doctrine of the perseverance of the saints at Oak Grove, I have many fond memories of my dear friends there. Many of you, or some of you, at least know Peggy Carner. One of my good friends comes from Peggy. Long before I got to Oak Grove, God's grace was popping up there because Peggy had been taught from Pastor Glenn Murray, a seasoned Baptist, about the doctrine of the believer's union with Christ. And he illustrated it for her. I have no idea where I put this. Here, I'll just use this. Hmm. He opened a Bible. And he put a piece of paper in it. And then he closed the Bible for Peggy. In that illustration, he was illustrating the believer's union with Jesus Christ. The believer is secure. The believer is safe. And if you look at verse 3, he's secure, he's safe, he's hidden with Christ in God. It's just an amazing language that is used for us. And we must learn who we are from the truth of God's word. Our new life in Jesus Christ and this union is who we are. We have got to try to wrap our minds around it. It's no secret that there have been many children born into very abusive families. Many have lived their lives on the edge of constant danger. But consider what happens when one of these kids is adopted by a loving family. They are no longer under the abusive authority that they were once under. And their whole life is suddenly changed for the better. They now have a new name, 
a new family, a new history, and a whole new reality, and a whole new life. However, although the child's circumstances have drastically changed for the better, the shift in the child's thinking will take time. The child will often have to fiercely wrestle with wrapping his mind and heart around this new reality. He will be secure in his family's love, to be sure. But the shift in his mind will be gradual. And brothers and sisters, that is true for our new lives in Jesus Christ as well, because earthly analogies do not even scratch the surface of the change that took place for us when God rescued us. Colossians 1.13 is just one way of describing it. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Another way to describe it is the great change, is the great, uh, this great change is to remember that biblically all men were born in Adam and dead in trespasses and sins. But by God's grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ, God has taken us out of Adam and placed us in Christ. He has united us to Christ. And though, though it's hard to fully get a grasp on this in, well, really, hard to get a grasp on this in a life-changing way, the Apostle Paul just won't shut up about it. It's all over his writings. If you reread the letter to the Colossians, it's all over in Christ, with Christ. He's in you. You're in him. So much so that it means that everything that Christ has won for you is now completely and fully yours. It's all yours, so much so that you can now say, when Christ died, being in union with him now through faith, you died with him. When he was buried in death, you were buried with him. When he rose again, from the dead, you rose with him. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, you ascended with him. Children, young people, look to Christ in faith, resting in him, trusting in him. And you will be seated today at the right hand of God the Father with Jesus Christ do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? In Ephesians 2, after explaining who we were by nature as children of wrath, living in the unbridled passions of our flesh, 
The Apostle Paul said this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The new life, this new life in Jesus Christ is secure and fixed and absolutely foundational to who you are as a believer in Christ. And because it is foundational, because it's real, because it's your reality, it comes with new goals. New life in Jesus Christ requires new goals. For Christian living. Verse 1, since you have been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Your life is securely tucked away in Christ. This is God's doing. Salvation is of the Lord. But your mind has to be recalibrated from your old life and your old way of thinking under that old authority that you once lived under to a biblical Christ-centered way of thinking and living. Again, if an older child or teenager is rescued and placed in a good loving home, that child doesn't wake up the next day understanding all that it means to be a part of this new family. He's not used to unconditional love. He doesn't know what that feels like or even what it means especially in the face of his failures and his sins. He's just not sure yet how his place in his new family should impact his heart and his thinking and his attitude and his outlook and his behavior. And to some degree, brothers and sisters, that's true of every single Christian after they have been brought into the kingdom of God, out of that darkness and into union with Jesus Christ. None of us, none of us have caught up in our thinking to all that is actually ours in Jesus Christ. And none of us, none of us have caught up in our thinking to understand all of the infinite resources that we have in Jesus Christ for Christian living. We're secure in Jesus Christ. We're, we're hidden in Christ. But the wonder and glory of that comes along with 
long-term goals so that our lives and our living might better reflect our union with Jesus Christ. And I'm not referring to New Year's goals that come and go, but to lifelong goals for the Christian. When Paul says, set your minds on things above, he means set your minds on God's holy word. That's what he means. When we open this book, we read about the things of Christ, and it links us to the one who is at the right hand of the Father and us in him. Set your mind on these things, and these things will hand you Christ. Jesus prayed to his Father, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind so that you can discern the will of God for the whole of your being. So that's the first goal, to set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. As we head into 2022, we all, I'm sure, have a hope that a lot of things that plagued our nation and our world these last couple of years would change. But really, even if things do change, won't something else come along to take their place? What is it that our Heavenly Father desires most in terms of change? He desires most that we change. It's easy to look outside of ourselves and see all the problems. But as his children, he desires a lot more than what we parents hope for our children. He wants us to become more like his beloved son. And anything that diverts from that is a tactic of the evil one to lull us into forgetting who we are. So we are called to set our minds on things above by growing in God's word. But there's also a second goal, to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And this idea of seeking has the idea of loving in it. In a growing marriage, the husband and wife, in a growing healthy marriage, the husband and wife will seek to know and better understand each other every day of their marriage and love will grow. The reason why the scriptures are flooded with teaching about who Jesus is and all that is ours in him is so that more and more we will understand the love of God toward us in Jesus Christ and more and more we will love him and it will splash out on everyone else as we seek to be like him. Your new life in Jesus Christ is one of the most glorious and secure unions that could possibly be. And it comes with new goals. At last it holds 
a new future for you in Jesus Christ. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, since your life is tucked away with Christ in God, and it is believer in Jesus Christ, it's tucked away, then you need not fear for your future. You are rich beyond words. Remember what Adam and Eve did when they sinned? You all remember that, don't you children? What Adam and Eve did? Well, they tried to hide from God. Adam told the Lord that they were afraid, and so they hid themselves. You know, I wonder if there's anyone this morning here who is trying to hide from God. There's only one reason someone would try to hide from God. It's because they don't want the nakedness of their sin exposed before him. They would rather cover it up with a multitude of other things, hoping that God will not notice, notice and that God at the end, at the judgment, will say, well, you were better than this person. You were better than this person, so come on in. That's not, that's not good news for anybody. Because that's not how it is. My dear friend, if you're hiding from God, wouldn't you rather have forgiveness in Jesus Christ? I mean, wouldn't you rather have forgiveness in Jesus Christ and have your nakedness replaced with his clothes of righteousness? Then come to him in faith and say, dress me. And wouldn't you rather say to him, Hide me in your son where I am safe rather than spending every day, all day long trying to hide from him. One day, one day, he will come. And those who love Christ and are by his grace united to Christ will appear with him in glory. What we really are in Jesus Christ is actually hidden to this world. They have absolutely no idea of the treasures that we possess, even this morning as we worship. If they could only see it, they would probably collapse for all that we have that is hidden in our creator, our king, our savior, our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, hidden in him. Listen to this language. When Christ, who is your life, appears, well, then you will also appear with him. Because he is your life. The world has no idea who we really are. And even we are trying to wrap our minds around it, aren't we? But one day, there will be an unveiling of who Christ has made us to be when he appears. And John says, 
then we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our larger catechism asks the question, what shall be done to the righteous at the day of judgment? And it rightly says, the righteous will be caught up in the clouds with Christ and openly acknowledged. Every eye is going to see this. Openly acknowledged and acquitted, received into heaven where they shall be fully and forever freed from all sin and all misery, filled with inconceivable joy. When he appears, we will appear with him because he bought us with his blood and he rose again to new life and we are in union with that because what he did, he did for us. Today, my question is this. Do you know who you are? May God strengthen you in Jesus for the battle that awaits you for this week, the heavy scent that fills the air, whatever form it comes in, and it's there. The slow beat and monotonous tune of the mandolin. For God is reminding us and waking us up as to who we are. If you don't know who you are, how could you even begin to live for him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the piercing, striking word that lovingly disciplines and yet so urgently calls us to respond. Father, you've created all things. Without you, we can do nothing. We lay ourselves before you. We're the branches, you're the vine. We need you. Hold us. Sustain us. But today, do much more than that. Lock into our own hearts who we are in you. and In union with your Son, that we might rejoice. And we pray this in the loving and good name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, let's respond to God's good word to us. Number 486.